Welcome to Distill 365. The show where Steve and Madame distill Office 365. Hey, Miran, we're back. Hey. Welcome. Thank you. Right, this is episode... 5.3 by now. 5.3. <laughs> yeah, we had a few technical issues with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, we so, reminder for everyone, uh, Windows Insider is not for production machines. Oh, don't say that. I've been running it on my laptop for three years. And uh, actually, the story is worth worth doing. It might save somebody some grief, mightn't it? Absolutely, yeah. So I had it on. Um, I always go with a slow loop because bottom line is insider. If you're going to play with it, play with it. You know, Absolutely. doesn't have a problem normally. But I must have miscalculated at some point, moved to the fast loop, which caused me some memory problems. Mm-hmm. So I went back to the slow loop, but it wouldn't go back to the slow loop. It. I kind of expected, maybe I had too many assumptions, but I kind of expected it would just reload the slow loop software, but it didn't. And then, of course, it now wouldn't load anything, and so I started to run out of timetable. It kept telling me that on the 14th of December, it's going to run out of license, and Mm -hmm. so I had to rebuild the machine. Yeah. And then I forgot to reset the power options. Yeah. So in... In the middle, the middle of our session. So I was listening to the session while I was driving back in my car, and I noticed that some pieces were missing. <laughs> the good bits. The good bits. Yeah, yeah. All the funny jokes that we make, and um, yeah, that was peculiar. So you worked out that it was because of the um, screensaver uh, popping up. Always something stupid, isn't it? These things. Yeah. Always something silly. Anyway, this will be better than Anyway, this will absolutely be better. And we get to taste this wonderful whiskey again. Yes, yes. We should do we, this more often. Yeah, <laughs> we should screw up more often. Then we can drink more whiskey. No, we should never do oh. that. Drink sensibly. Uh, Microsoft's fault. It is. Yeah, we'll blame yeah. it on Microsoft. Yeah, sure. Anyway, so yes, this is effectively episode five. And uh, we've been some traveling. I think we have on four. We said we were about to go, and yeah. now we're on five. We've been. We've been. We've yeah. been. I did yeah. Warsaw, and you did a place that I can never pronounce. And Ljubljana in Slovenia, which mm. was amazing, brilliant, nice. Love the place. I could just live there. All right, get off the floor and stop licking yeah. the desk. Oh. Come on. <laughs> and I see we've got some more good news as well. You got one of the emails on December the 1st this year? <laughs> yes, yeah, so I got awarded with the MVP for 2019-2020. So, yippee-ki-yay. Yeah, you've been working hard for it. Though. You've been spending yeah. a lot of time in the community and doing a lot of uh, SharePoint Saturday speeches and all that stuff. Yeah, I did. And, it uh, was a crazy year because it it's was? December. So, now maybe we'll do a wrap-up for the year and the next episode, like what did we learn this year, something like that. that yeah, might be sure a good idea. People will be really yeah. interested in but that. But that this year has been crazy, lots of travel, and so nice to see that email come in to say, "Hey, you showed it me. You he get was an very, award. very proud. He was. Yeah. We were we were in the rain. We uh, we went on a Christmas walk around Antwerp uh, by one of the local radio stations for charity, but it rained cats and dogs. 
mm. and uh, and when he turned up we were in the rain and he said look what I got today and a uh, big grin on his face <laughs> it's well deserved the man is awesome and uh, he does deserve it so he's going to have a great year thank and, you so much and in fact straight after this he has to start going on to a Microsoft conference call the first one I guess your first MVP yeah must Indeed. join yeah. yes one, one of those NDA things that I cannot speak about oh sorry do I, no. let me just rewind that so we've been traveling this year <laughs> <laughs> oh boy all right okay. all right so uh, yes you had a good time then at uh, the thrive conference wasn't it yeah yeah uh presenting on on teams etiquette ah yeah teams etiquette i did yeah. my version of your you teams yeah. etiquette except i did mm-hmm. it in warsaw at the and i have to look at the sharecon 365 conference which was good news. And it's we pretty were, cool. Yeah. We were busy working yeah. out where else we were going to try and yeah. speak as, uh, yeah. before we started. So tonight. maybe I need to do a little marketing here. So if you also want to go to Warsaw, where I've been in uh, June, I think, you've just been there as well. We both love the city. It was great it has city. So many nice things, so many nice places, and great food. I, I drank some 37 year old Linksys. Island malt whiskey. Oh my god. But I also drank some really average Indian whiskey. Never tasted <laughs> Indian whiskey before there either. Yeah. So, so uh, they uh, are organizing another SharePoint Saturday this year, um, and the call for speakers is open. So if you want to, if you have a, a good uh, topic that you want to talk about, uh, just send something in. You can always go to spsevents.org. Uh, you will find uh, the link there. Uh, just apply to speak about something yeah join the community I think yeah. uh, it's a thriving community Jeff Teeper talks about it all the time mm-hmm. and so he should actually I don't think there's any other industry I know of that has got so many people working for free on a Saturday on a Saturday at the weekend yeah it's pretty cool actually it is it is it's pretty yeah. cool sure. good news good news so yeah so that's what we've been up to and of course it's December so mm-hmm. I was thinking earlier, do you think we will actually do another podcast for Christmas or is this the one where we have to wish everybody a happy Christmas at the end of it? I think we can squeeze one out. Yeah, oh, yeah. see what yeah. Maybe we do one Maybe not Christmas, Christmas but until, yeah. Maybe yeah, between the two. Or, or something. yeah, something like that. All right. Anyway, uh, I wanted to talk about uh, a particular subject in that uh, I was talking to a new client. Um, uh, didn't actually do any work for them, but they had an interesting scenario mm-hmm. uh, where they were part of a big global national, but they were kind of being sold. So it was a bit of a management buyout thing, and about 45 of the people were uh, setting up a, a new office uh, somewhere else in, in uh, away from the organization, okay. which all of a sudden meant, of course, they needed new everything. You know, new names, new domains, new email addresses, and all that kind of oh stuff. Oh boy! And uh, of course, Office 365 was the perfect solution for them. Um, and uh, the idea struck me. You know, uh, do I know what the top five, ten, or fifteen things that you should do immediately? Because when we get called in, very often the business has already decided that hey, we're going to migrate to Office 365. So they have a lot of stuff already in place. But this was literally a greenfield site. Mm-hmm. So I want to get onto that. So I want to uh, make some assumptions here. We're not dealing with email because you and I very rarely deal with email because we have That's those special true. people yeah. dealing mm-hmm. with email. Yeah. So uh, exchange is done by exchange gods. Um, and we'll also ignore the connecting to the internet and uh, aligning the active directories and all that kind of stuff that's done by security and network against 
whatever standards, although yep. anybody wants those standards, so we can consult for you and tell you what you actually need to do, but generally we focus... We focus on, on collaboration, collaboration, document management. We uh, collaborated then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, funny enough, talking about things uh, happening at the same time, uh, I binge-watched over the weekend a news series, uh, Mrs. Maisel off, off Amazon, but there was a scene where two guys were in a, a Central Park in New York and they were just eating baseballs. But they both managed to throw the baseball up and whack it with two separate bats absolutely precisely on time. And I was thinking to myself, I wonder cool. how many times they had to do that yeah. to actually ding that ball. And then they did it four times more. So they, they really obviously either practiced it well, but I was thinking, brilliant, to actually hit that ball exactly at the same moment so you got no echo. What would be go. really cool is they would just shoot that into one take just four yes. times doing that on the oh. I'll have to inquire about yeah. that I'll have to, I don't know whether they did it one take I'll have to relook at it yeah. and, uh, it's, a, it's the same it. thing with those uh, crazy um, ping pong ball videos where they throw a ping pong ball somewhere across the room and it hops on this and it jumps on that and it bounces on that and it finally falls into a cup somewhere oh I've seen that video yeah, yeah I've seen that video <laughs> But yeah, I guess so. They practice hard. You wonder how many times they've recorded it. Absolutely, yeah. Anyway, going back to my yeah. original thoughts. So, so there we go. So we're assuming, like often, we walk into a, a project where all the all the connectivity is done, the the exchanges across. So it's basically got Outlook. All right. So when it comes to managing that transition, migration, or whatever, uh, what is your top number one item you want to make sure is in place, or you advise your client to say, hey, you need to do. Well, I think the f the first thing when you come in uh, should be to talk to the project sponsor, the figure project out sponsor. who he is and what they wanna accomplish. And so that's not the IT director. Not always. Not could be. Often. It shouldn't be though. Should no. it? Should be somebody from the business. There, yeah, that's that's the big discussion. One of the big discussions that people in the SharePoint industry have been having for the last few years is should this be driven by the business should this be driven by IT in some companies I see that there's a real demand from the business for something like Office 365 in other organizations I see something more like okay we from IT we decide to go to Office 365 most of the time because of the uh, exchange in the cloud part and they just by the rest of Office 365 there uh, as well, um, but they decide to go to SharePoint Online as well and, and roll out Teams and stuff like that. I think most IT decisions are usually about cost. They and are, then, yeah, And then absolutely, the business yeah. decide yeah. to follow mm -hmm. them. Yeah. So, so I think it's, you're right, getting an IT sponsor on board um, and uh, if we're really good consultants, which we are, we're awesomely good consultants, we obviously advise IT. Yeah, I'm sorry, I couldn't help it. Mm. It's been one of those days. I need to make myself <laughs> feel good today, you know. But we would obviously advise IT to make sure that they take on board a business sponsor. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, when we get on to some of the other things, I'm sure is going to come up on our top five list of migration and adoption. You can't force this stuff on people. So, No, that is true. That but is we'll very, save that one very for later. true. Yeah. All right. So, uh, IT sponsor. So, that would be your hit. All right. So, what yeah. would I go with? Um, I think that uh, I would probably start to make some inquiries about their data that they generally store and understand how important that data is 
whether they have any security policies. So I think I would probably be asking questions around compliance and policies, compliance and governance, so that I understand what their content is, how important it is, and what they want to do with it. So if they're an organization that shares a lot with external people, mm-hmm. if they're an organization where their content is you know, very IPR, very protected, very important, so that that baseline governance we talked about in episode three yeah ish three ish yeah. so you're starting to build that up and you understand what your your baseline is so mm. you know no sharing or limited sharing or i know i'm going to use sharepoint sites here or mm. so, so I is think that, is that also the the right moment uh, to challenge those things i think so yeah. um i I've, especially today i think i know we're going to disagree on this I think that SharePoint or Office 365 is becoming more complex in terms of some of those decisions you need to make. And I guess this is why this thought this week has been a bit pervasive to me. But, you know, do I do Teams? Do I do SharePoint sites? Do I do OneDrive? And there's reasons for doing all of them. And, you know, depending on the number, if I, I think I quoted 45 people on this particular project. 45 of them, you could put Teams in and never put a SharePoint site in and not worry about it. If you've got 5,000 people, then there's going to be some data it that is really internal yeah. data mm-hmm. and other times where you want to be able to do ad hoc collaboration, that kind of stuff. So for me, the second thing to ascertain really is to understand about their content, understand what kind of framework it needs, uh, understand how important it is. And then, of course, also get onto whether there's any regulations that they're supposed to be adhering to so yep. that you can mm-hmm. make sure you've got yep. compliance. Yep. So for me, it's about governments and content governance. Yeah, okay, okay. Next up, I think one of the really important things that you need to do is to make sure that your network can handle everything as well. So yes, check true. your, uh, do a, a hardware check, make sure that the internet connection is uh, big enough to handle all the uh, the extra load that you will get. Microsoft, um, will, Microsoft will do a, che- a test for you as well, won't they? So for a relatively small amount, uh, if you're in one office, I guess you don't need to, but if you're separated across different sites, they will make sure your latency is okay, etc., uh, mm-hmm, etc. Et mm-hmm. And I think that I think it might cost sort of a couple of tens of grand or something, depending on the size of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it does mean that you end up with less investment if you've got a problem later. Yeah. I guess so. At least sure. you know where the, the weaknesses are. Yeah. And it's not simple like it used to be. Now you've got Teams, you've got front end voice servers for the Skype type stuff and, and the voice. So it's all about latency and time between nodes and hops and, and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but I agree. I think yeah. that, that, that pipe uh, yeah. is also important. Because it's, you, can, you can deliver Office 365 to your people, to your end users, but if things are really slow uh, or there's too much traffic on the network and everything becomes slow, then yeah, you just got yourself into a big hole of yeah something I think, something. I think the other important is uh, it's the brown sticky stuff. Yeah, I've been there before. Mm-hmm. But uh, the other thing it gives you is a baseline. So it tells you what your network traffic is before you go to Office 365. So consequently, if you do start to have problems of any kind, then at least you can say, actually, this is what the traffic's like now, and this is what it was. And there's no difference here. So maybe this is a firewall setting or maybe it's some kind of wide area network connection setting. So mm. so there's the network. 
All right. I think what you need to talk about next yep. is... is uh, well, I think I definitely also want to talk about uh, how to identify the, the mobile scenarios because most people these days are still working on their computers, but they're also commuting and they have their laptops with them, but also their iPads and their phones. They want to check their emails on their phones. They also want to take a look at certain documents. They might want to use uh, the mobile Teams application, which is brilliant. True. And in uh, at the Thrive conference, I actually uh, heard a really funny story about... Um, I, I forgot who it was. So if you're listening to this and it was you, please give me a call or something. Because I thought shout that... shout out on Twitter. Yeah, I think, I think that was a really cool idea about um, uh, they did a certain company uh, where they first gave Teams only the mobile, only the Teams mobile application to the end users. And so they, just to get this straight, so yeah. they, they got Office 365 groups, but they uh, enabled Teams, but yeah. the, the application itself was either available only on the web app from their machines, or from or from the the, the, the mobile the application, phone. yeah, absolutely. So those people enjoyed it, they loved it, and then after a few weeks, they said, "Okay, now we've got something extra for you. Now we also have a desktop application for that." Okay. So by then, the people were already used to working with Teams, already used to uh, how it looks, how it behaves, what you can do with it, and then they had this extra that they also now had the uh, desktop application, and that would benefit the user oh, that benefited the user adoption for that customer that was interesting because I had a similar episode uh, last week I was demonstrating a library uh, in a site um, I just set up a, a site collection for a legal department um, just put the, the first document library in uh, we'd imported a whole bunch of taxonomy stuff how can anybody small organization have 3,700 lines of taxonomy I've <laughs> been there. I've got a ex I've got a customer as well, small customer, and they also have this huge taxonomy list, yeah, which is totally out of date, not being used, whatever. So, I, and yeah. I will come back to why I lost six hours of my life trying to import that uh, in the, in a minute or two, because that that really did cause me some frustrations. But um, as I was demoing this, what I, my my normal days on retro. Is that the right word? Yes, it is. Anyway, raison d'être, that's the right. Is the what? A oh, raison d'être? Yeah. Oh, right. My, okay, my yeah. normal way of working. Okay. All right. And, and I can only say words like that before we taste this beautiful uh, whiskey that we're going to touch later. So don't ask me to repeat it later. But either way around. I was demoing the library. So my normal process is set the structure up, set the security model up, do one document library with all the metadata and the views in it. If they're happy with that, then I'll go and rubber stamp that everywhere else and then customize accordingly. Um, but as I was looking at this, I could see the sort of white going over their eyes as they're starting to lose me as I'm trying to show them how to upload documents, mm -hmm. how to do this, mm -hmm. how to do the other, and what a SharePoint site was and, and all this kind of stuff. Uh, and, and then I just pulled the phone out and showed them the phone version of SharePoint. And yeah. So they picked it up and immediately started opening things and documents and everything else. So it's interesting. Um, but one of the questions that I wanted to say as soon as you mentioned that was, so is a laptop a mobile device? 
or is it really about the device? So is it about the operating system? So mobile is about I don't know Android what, and Yeah, I don't know what iOS. the technical term encompasses, but I don't think a laptop is, is, a, is a real mobile device. That's true, because when I pick it up off my desk, I do have to put the wheels on and drag it along the floor because it really <laughs> isn't mobile. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? So I know there's uh, sort of details, but yeah. yeah. Uh, when people talk about mobile, they think about their laptop. But they tend to, you know, well, they can carry it around. Maybe yeah, it's just no, me, it's you true, know, true, remember yeah. when the first... Let's, let's call it thing. iPads and phones. Then. Let's call it tablets and phones, yeah. yeah I think that's probably... With the thing. big phones these days, they're almost like a laptop, but yeah. anyway. As much power. Yeah. All right, so you went with the uh, mobile, uh, and I think that's true. I think mm -hmm. at some point, it's fairly early on. Uh, it's fairly early on to think about that. We, we have touched upon the migration and adoption. Yeah. But uh, maybe it's a bit of both, really. Uh, you know, as part of my questions around the content, then you're already starting to understand what their uh, adoption and migration is going to consist of and what content needs to be placed where and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, what about communication sites? What about actually the usage of Office 365? Uh, I guess putting in the intranet, so you've got a place that you can set up your adoption site and mm. set up your migration well, site and actually set up your uh, news and communications. Mm -hmm. so that's a, it's that a good question because if you have to do a rush job like this one where part of the company is being sold and you have to get everything up and running very quickly, do you really want to have an intranet as one of the first things up and running? I think yes, because that would be the place where everyone can follow all the latest information where they can see what is going on I in the company. I think it's place you start from too. Yeah. It's a start point, mm -hmm. but yeah. So yeah, it's definitely beneficial to get an intranet up and running uh, very early. And now with the whole communication sites, the whole modern design, the whole hub uh, functionality, uh, the mega menu which is coming right now uh, makes it super easy and you can do that super fast to just create a whole nice looking intranet. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but when you say it's super easy, it's never super easy. You still get to the point where you go, oh, yes, I'm going to do this. Click, 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 and then suddenly find, oh, I can't do that. And say, okay, yeah, Microsoft strikes again. This obviously is where I need to bring a partner in to fix this bit. But, yeah, I mean, and from an end user perspective, you're right. It's the main It is so much easier than it used to be, anyway. Yeah, yeah because yeah, when, in, when in 2013 you would create a publishing site and it would just look awful... And now with the whole modern, uh, the, yeah, it just looks brilliant from the start. Yeah. Do you keep it as default or do you customize it with web parts so they don't look all the same? Uh, well, for my customers, we're using like the out-of-the-box uh, SharePoint uh, yeah. communication site. So we don't have any extra or specific web parts that we bought or that we built. We're just using it as is and with all the new features coming, uh, like the new page headers and stuff like that, we will just upgrade uh, as we go. But no, it's it's vanilla. I have a challenge coming up because internal comms want a new intranet. Mm -hmm. uh, they already have a tool that they love, but the licensing for it is now disappearing. So oh. consequently, they have to migrate across. It makes no sense to do anything else except put communication sites in. But I know the conversation with these people is potentially going to have be those difficult. Kind of yeah, mm -hmm. I yeah, I get that. Yeah. 
So we'll see. But that's uh, yeah, so communication is nice. Anything else that we would want to tell people that they should think about and uh, and do? Well, definitely training. Yeah. So we talked about communication and user adoption. Uh, definitely training. So one of the things that we used to do uh, when we were working together on a project, I think that is still a brilliant way of, of training. And I'm actually using a slimmed down version of that as well at one of my customers uh, with a, a whole cookies and knowledge uh, session. Is where we would just have a uh, Skype for Business session. Everyone in the company can just call in into that uh, Skype for Business session we would just demonstrate for 10 minutes, 30 minutes, an application or a way of working or something like that. And, um, and people can ask questions. questions. Yeah. Uh, we can have the chat functionality. And after the session, we would just, uh, because it's recorded, we also record those sessions. We can now put them on stream. And we can have uh, a really nice looking training site, for example, where we pop up those videos from stream. For me, that's a brilliant way of doing training. Yep. And if you top that off with a little bit of coaching afterwards as well, so uh, one of two or three people running around in the building that know about this stuff where people can just ask questions to, I think that's uh, yeah, that's the best way of doing training. And when you have those recordings, if you send them off to be transcribed, you also end up with a whole bunch of training material that you just throw some images to and you've got static material as well. Yeah. True. Yeah. So that works quite well. Do people um, still want to have static training material? Because I know, for example, some people who wrote or who are writing books around Office 365, like Teams and SharePoint and stuff like that. I, so are, I, are they publishing it to sell them or are they just publishing it to become an MVP? Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. Just to be published. Yeah, I think, I think so, but... I don't know. These these things change so fast, and and there are new things coming up every month. You know, I think things change, but people don't. So if you still end up with, you, there are still generations of people around that use books, that read content, that learn from that kind of stuff. I had a, a user today, and uh, God bless this lady. I had a meeting at the end of the day with her. It was awesome, but. Obviously, as a, I'm going to say a millennium, but as a younger person, uh, I sat watching that pen going up and down on the instant messenger, you know, and eventually after three paragraphs of questions on Skype messenger, I just phoned her, you know, yeah. and, I, I, and she said, thank you for calling. This will be quicker. You know, oh, you know, really? Why, why did we not just do this to start off with, you know? Um, and I think it's a uh, it's a it's a habit. It's a habit. So there's another uh, user that I've been working with these last three weeks, and all we do is phone. So instant message. Hey, you got ten minutes? Yeah, and then the phone rings. Yeah. You know because that's what he's he's like me. He has grey hair, um, and uh, so is what is this? The first instinct. I think as you get to sort of thirties, it's all email. And as you get a little bit younger than that, then it's instant message. And I think it's what Snapchat been used to. and uh, Instagram. So and, yeah, mm-hmm. it, we we decide, and this is the whole point of adoption. Of course, it's that mindset change. But we what we brought up with tends to become the thing we go to, which is comforting, even though it's not the most efficient or necessarily the most comfortable tool to be using. Because especially instant messenger, nobody likes to send a message with a spell check spelling wrong. So you end up 
you know, wasting more time correcting something because you or rereading it before you send it, etc., etc. Yeah. So I, yeah, you know. And that's exactly what's going on with Teams as well. Everyone has been using SharePoint for a number of years. Uh, people have been using Skype for a number of years, and now they have to learn a new tool. Oh, oh no. no! Terrible, terrible. Oh. Or they just click on the phone button and phone them the same. Or they just click on the go to Skype uh, SharePoint button and they go to SharePoint. Or they use in Instant True, Messenger. True, absolutely. But that first hurdle, like oh, I have to learn a new tool to do something I already know. That's a big hurdle. But I once they yeah. get in there and they see that all their favorite tools and all their favorite functionality is still on there, then they will get it and then they will have no problem with it. But all right, so then my next question is finishing this subject off. So we're talking about migration and adoption. Yeah. Let's talk about the migration itself for a second. And it's a fairly simple question. Um, do you roll out Outlook and SharePoint and OneDrive at the same time we talked about that last time, yeah. Did we? Yeah. Did we reach a conclusion? Oh, yes, because you like to separate it and I like to do it in one go. Well, that was apps we talked about. No, no, I think we, we kind well, of anyway, have the same, we kind of have the same uh, thought around that. I think that rolling out Exchange, um, OneDrive. Uh, OneDrive and, and, and SharePoint, like we called it the EOS uh, thing. That's right, we did, yeah. yes. Uh, so I think those are definitely the core of Office 365. If you combine that even with your Office clients, which might be a really good fourth pillar uh, for that, mm. um, if you combine those four things, I think those those are yeah the the core Office 365. And is that, you is that decision different if you're doing 4,000 people to 400 people? Yes, I think so. So you still do them in waves, but you'd still do them all the same. Yeah. Well, I think I probably agree with that. I mean, well, I don't disagree with that. I know that works. So mm -hmm. uh, historically, I've done that twice or three times now. So, yeah. and I think people get to get to use it quite quickly. They do get. Sure. Used to everyone it. knows Outlook. Everyone mm -hmm. uses email. Um, OneDrive is, I think, for most companies, a no-brainer as well because a lot of companies are offering already some kind of personal shared drive or personal drive. Um, and then SharePoint comes in where the file shares left mm -hmm. off. Um, collaboration, those things. So I think you have a really good um, solution uh, to have all kinds of business needs met with yeah. those three or four uh, different solutions. All right. Well, I think this this is probably leads on to something we can talk about in in a future podcast. But you do know now what the maximum storage is on a OneDrive. It is one terabyte. Mm, Twenty five terabytes. Twenty five. You terabytes. can negotiate oh, with Microsoft okay. to make it yeah. uh, one or five or twenty five mm -hmm. terabytes. Mm -hmm. So I, we I actually heard uh, also at the Drive conference. Uh, because everyone's taking pictures and, and with those special huge cameras with 100,000 megapixel things. And I was actually asking them, like, okay, where do you store all these things? Oh, on my OneDrive. But yeah, you only have one terabyte. No, I've got five terabyte because yes. there's a PowerShell command Correct. that you can run to upgrade your OneDrive to more uh, terabytes. Yeah, no, there is. So we need to have this conversation around the governance around this and how much you actually do and the advantages and disadvantages. 
I also think we need to touch on Mm -hmm. archiving, which was on our list of things that we might want to talk about. So let's talk about that later on Mm -hmm. another podcast and generally talk around that that collaboration stuff. I think that would be quite neat. I said I would uh, just give everybody a hint of what happened on my importing taxonomy. So, you know, creating taxonomy is fairly... Uh, simple to do you have the spreadsheet the template and uh, you get it all lined out and you can obviously cut and paste and all that kind of stuff and uh, so just to spend two or three minutes on on uh, a, a learning this week so I had the spreadsheet um, I had 3,600 lines on it I'd been through it more or less line per line but I didn't do line per line but you can filter all the gaps out and make sure that the lining up so it's all well, that was good I thought it was good anyway all seemed to be okay and I imported it and I got an error message that says line 1001 has got an error on it and you need to go and make sure you've got all the characters out of it and blah 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 so I did all of that line 1001 still got the same error did some research found some web pages on the maximum number of items you can have which is a thousand no 200 200 level 1 items no two, oh. 2000 level 1 items that's right 2000 level 1 items but okay. I think that's different level 1 items so it's not the same you can only have 35,000 lines on the thing total at the moment and with this is 2013 anyway so what I did was I halved it so I went down to under a thousand tried to import it still came up with a 917 lines wasn't allowed in I got all the way down I halved it and halved it and halved it and reinstalled it and reinstalled it so I got down to 10 lines and I eventually found out it was one line with the word funded in it and it wouldn't install it as soon as I deleted that line all right then it installed the other 20 lines perfectly okay brilliant so I'm looking at this thinking what's happened here and I came to the conclusion that they'd probably cut and pasted sort of you know the Swedish language in rather than plain text or something and when I started looking at it even more the the U in the word fund was actually slightly different so, okay, oh. brilliant. so I deleted that out and I went back to my code and I put it all in again I did a filter on the line and it still wouldn't install <laughs> so I had to get into a hex programming now so I'm now looking at these words in in, in, in hex and uh, sure enough one was a number 75 one was a 45 and of course when I started looking down I tried to filter it um, but when I, I eventually worked out that some words of this uh, had got a capital U and some had got a lowercase u and as soon as I got rid of these uppercase u's it all installed I then got all 3600 in but it took me six hours of painstakingly trying to work out what it is the conclusion I've come to is that if you have don't use capital use don't no. and I think it was just capitalization okay. I think it was just that for uncertain because um, you know you have to stagger the, the installs on there mm-hmm. but if you have a mix of upper and lower case in there it expects it to be on a new line in a new place because if you filter on it it just says oh it's a U I'll just filter and cross filter them anyway yes six hours on capital U and lowercase u and breaking down 3,600 lines so um, yes you have to love our job sometimes it is and what many people may or may not know is that uh, the term store is something that I ended up working with Microsoft on in 2010 2007-2010 and actually designing the idea of the whole term set and taxonomy stuff so as I'm sitting there starting to pull my hair out and curse the office and everybody's laughing at me I'm thinking well actually I did actually put this forward as a, an idea and see the very very first rough cut code of this but yeah I'm sure they didn't have 3,600 lines being imported but there uh, we go 
this happens and it's part of what we do of course and uh, and trying to get these done but there you, you are. know what i always get when i do like six hours of of those things that just don't want to work i get really thirsty no <laughs> you actually walk away and take a something to relax the mind yeah funny enough i have something here that might do that for you oh is that the sound that's the sound. Mm. Okay, well, I'll pour it while you actually want to tell people what we're tasting today. Absolutely. Cool. So we are back to the U.S. We are drinking a bourbon and spilling some of the bourbon on the floor as well. Um, so this is a, a Woodford Reserve. And funny thing about it, it was made in Versailles, but not Versailles in France. It was actually in France. Um, it wasn't in France. Uh, France in, in Versailles in uh, Kentucky. So it's a um, Kentucky straight bourbon. Yeah. So one of the uh, cool things about the bottle, if you read the uh, taste notes, is that there are over 200 detectable flavor notes uh, <laughs> in this particular bourbon. And I think that's brilliant. It also won a lot of prizes. And because we are taping this 5.3 episode, we already tasted it before. We did, but and I've already tasted this anyway because this was, uh, I found this in London some years ago, sitting in a bar eating fish and chips mm -hmm. at, the, at the bar uh, between meetings and, uh, and came across this Woodford Reserve. But uh, the thing about this, if you do go and you find it in a bar, is just put a light behind it and look at this awesome colour. It is, it, yeah. It's it's so warm and brown. It's not it's an amber. It's dark. Yeah. It is. It's the other whiskies we tasted before, they were all very light. gold colored, yep. light colored. You amber. could you could definitely see through them, and this one is very dark. It is. Yes. Yeah. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, while uh, Moraine tastes this one, the the nose is delicious. Sort of lots of honey and caramel in there and sweet but yeah. I remember the aftertaste I haven't tasted it yet but it doesn't taste the way it smells this one does it, it, it has no it's true it's true and I love how this tastes as well so the last few uh, ones that we had they were too clean for my mm. taste so you know I like the more peated whiskies and uh, you're going to say think, that word aren't you in a yeah minute. here it comes so I, I really love this one um it's muddy. Muddy, <laughs> yeah. As Anne Moraine describes a whiskey that sort of makes you feel warm and comfortable, this is designed to be drank in, in front of a wood fire. Yeah, so know? as you said last time uh, when we were trying to record this podcast, you said this is an excellent winter whiskey. It is, definitely. Bourbon. Uh, still a whiskey, yeah. But uh, but yeah, they call it bourbon. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think that it, it doesn't have that that smokiness about it to me because um, you only tend to get that really when you've when you've t taken it from a uh, a second run on the cask because all this stuff will be in a fresh cask just charcoaled to get that flavour it's obviously well charcoaled to be able to give it this kind of uh, dark brown well it's not dark is it I wouldn't call it dark but uh, woody brown brown taste but, it's uh, definitely a dark colour for a uh so if you're looking for something to go onto your Christmas list, just something a little different, this is really, really worth, you know, taking a, a sip of on uh, Christmas at the end of the day when the rest of the family is gone uh, or you want to share with, uh, you know, the family. This is a, a really nice, friendly drinking 
yeah bourbon absolutely and for the people that know me you probably know that i love smoking good cigars and this is an excellent whiskey to pair mm. a nice uh, romeo y julieta or a nice partagas uh, cigar um, so this is just a, a great companion. It will probably also work very well with some dark chocolate, I think. It would actually, uh-huh. yes, absolutely would. And I think I've been there. So I, I, I can certainly get taste 132 and uh, 97 and 180. How anybody manages to get 200 uh, different flavours out of this, my I take my hat off to them. But uh, But that was pretty cool. All right. Okay. I think this has been a, a pretty full podcast, hasn't it? Absolutely. Great yeah. whiskey to finish off with, or great bourbon to finish off with. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've put a lot of information out there about how to start off with uh, Office 365 yeah, in a smaller so. organization. Mm-hmm. Then we've even got our next subjects to talk about in terms of governance. for. And, uh, I don't think we will ever run out of subjects to talk about. And Microsoft will give us something new to talk about Absolutely. anyway. Absolutely. Yep. All right. Listen, I think our next recording is going to go out probably in the new year or certainly after Christmas, even if it gets recorded slightly before. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to take this opportunity uh, on behalf of Moraine and myself to wish everybody a fabulous holiday period, uh, whether it's Christmas, whether it's uh, holidays, however you call this. Uh, then uh, we wish you the best of holidays for you and your family. And if you enjoy whiskey the way we do, then please drink it sparingly and in a safe place uh, and enjoy it rather than it causing you problems with some blue light coming up behind you on the road when you pull over and have to, if you're in England, you know, the old days you blow into a bag. We don't want you to do that. So drink carefully. You remember? No, you know, no, you know, never, never, day, never did that. No. In the old days, it used to be a bag, you know, and you had to do one big breath. Not that I've ever done this. Well, no, I don't think I have. But there were crystals that used to change colour. So nowadays, of course, it's all electronic, but there were wow, crystals. Wow, that's funky. That used... <laughs> was, that, was that in the 60s? In yeah, 70s? no, no. I was, uh, I don't know, 70s, okay. 80s time. But yeah, no, it was uh, a blue bag. Oh, but anyway, cool. so anyway. be safe. Have a great Christmas holiday. Absolutely. And uh, as always, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, Twitter handles, uh, Steve Dolby has the size Steve, S-E-I Steve. Yep. Uh, mine is at uh, Maran Somers. So you, you can uh, contact us there. Uh, hashtag um, it with Distill365 and then we know that it's about the, uh, the podcast. Yeah. But we hope you enjoyed it. And uh, well, it's goodbye from me. And cheerio from me.